Hey guys, I'm live here today with Alex Neem, a webinar expert who has sold tens of thousands via webinar. Hey Alex, how are you doing, mate? I'm do doing great, Joe. Uh, great to be here. Awesome. Brother, can you tell us a little, those who don't really know much about you, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and who you are? Sure. So um, I came from a background of uh, selling, you know, relatively big ticket programs. Um, had a uh, IT um, had an IT commerce company back even in uh, um, mid '90s, and then sold that in early 2000. And along the way, I uh, sold, you know, for relatively high end consulting packages. Um, you know, usually um, million or multi million dollar packages. And I've been I've been been on teams where the projects were, you know, into the hundreds of millions of dollars. And then um, I sold a company in 2000 and um, took some time off, wrote several books on marketing and, uh, and whatnot. And then uh, several years ago, um, I noticed that there was a, uh, a kind of like a, a void in the market for folks that were comfortable or knew how to actually sell big ticket programs. And so I've been helping clients uh, in that capacity, showing them how to basically grow their business, primarily by leveraging both the combination of webinars and also big ticket programs. And, uh, you know, big ticket is a little bit of relative terms uh, for a lot of folks in the, you know, in the circles that the folks that's probably listening to this, that probably mean, you know, on the low end of that probably programs around two to 3,000 and at the high end of that, maybe 20 to 50,000. Uh, I do have B2B clients where, you know, 25,000, maybe the initial sale and where maybe a quarter of a million higher, maybe the, you know, the higher end of that spectrum. So. You know, it's it's relative to the market that the the per, uh, that the the listeners uh, coming from. So, like I said, most of the time when you're selling that, there's usually a webinar is usually an integral part of that. Or and when I use webinar, it can mean a webinar where you're showing a slide deck, or in many cases you can even use something called like a live stream. You know, probably the most popular example is a Facebook Live where people actually can see you face to face. Cool. So you're doing webinars via live streams now. Well, we've been, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. We've actually been doing live streams since uh, the days when they were charging by the minute. I recall uh, we were doing like a, a major, you know, uh, a major promotion back in, actually in 2008, uh, you, know, several, you know, several years ago. Um, and back then they were charging per minute. And then when we did this promotion, the bill that my client got was like around almost $4,500. And like, did we just spend $4,500? You know, it's kind of like the old days of long distance, right, where people are charging by the minute. Now imagine you had 800 people on there, right, and basically you're, you're paying per minute for every attendee, right? And they're like, this is ridiculous. This bill's ridiculous. I'm like, well, uh, I agree that's, you know, it's not, it's not, that's, you know, that's not bubblegum money. But I would like to point out we made about, you know, $275,000. And they're like, okay, you know, you know, so they kind of took a step back and said, okay, you know, like the bill did hurt, but it lasted for maybe five seconds once we put it in proper perspective. So I would say that probably the only thing that would outpull a webinar, now not everybody can do it, mind you, the only thing, uh, you know, because it does require a, a different set of skills, but uh, if you can, I've seen that a really powerful a one-two combination is to be able to do a webinar and a live cast. And what I mean live, um, live cast is like, you know, basically where you're seeing more the person. Now, it's getting a little bit fuzzy now because GoToWebinar, which is the most popular webinar platform out there, they have added the ability to basically integrate in the um, you know the webcam. However, I, there, there's pr different production value. Like when you have a webinar, you have a webcam on. To me, that's still not a live cast. I mean, so as far as the view is concerned, it looks the same because you know obviously there's you know you, they can see your face. But when you're doing a a, a show. 
uh, um, when you use more like a live cast, the production and the sequencing and the scripting is different. It's more like being on, uh, like, you know, like what you see like on a TV, right? Whereas on a webinar, even with the webcam being on, it's still primarily a slideshow where they could just see you. So psychologically, it's a little bit different, and the conversion is definitely different as well. Okay, when you say that, what do you mean by psychologically it's a bit different to have... Well, you know, like for example, sure, yeah. sure, so I'll give you a specific example, right? It's very, very difficult to basically have somebody watch a webinar for, um, you know, it, with very few exceptions, it's very difficult to engage somebody on a webinar for more than, say, 75 minutes, 90 minutes. I mean, I've seen maybe uh, there's a handful of people who can do it over two hours, but I mean, at that point, you're really going to the red zone. I mean, people are going to drop out like flies, right? Because the engagement is just not there. We've actually done like, you know, live stream, again, where primarily it's like, you know, where you're, you're actually seeing the other party. We've done it where it's lasted four to six hours. And some of my mentors have actually done it where it's like 10 to 12 hour. You see, there's no way, I don't know anybody that can hold anybody's attention on a webinar for that long. It's just impossible, right? But the other one, it feels more like a show. And so the engagement level, the, 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 the energy level is higher. And so there's a much stronger relationship. So you can actually have more time to build a relationship with that person, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, We've done this, but, you know, just to make sure that we're, you know, so that way it doesn't seem like, oh, well, you know, we're like the, the only people doing it. Um, are, are you familiar with an organization called GKIC, uh, Joe's? Um, the Glazer yeah. Kennedy Innocent? Okay. Okay. So, right, right. So they're the organization that, you know, basically behind Dan Kennedy and, you know, all that stuff. So they, they actually have a model where they would do a promotion where the only thing that they do is basically a four-hour webcast. And they'll actually rent like a, you know, like we, they'll actually go uh, to like a, you could do this from your home office, or you could do it a little bit higher end. You could actually go to a uh, a, a studio, right? Hmm. So, like for example, on one of the on one of the promotion I ran for a client of mine who's a New York Times bestselling author, we basically did a traditional campaign, right? You know, webinar, webinar, webinar. And we did, you know, we did pretty well. And then as the as the as the last step of that, you know, extended campaign, we basically did a four hour uh, four hour live cast where I did the production behind the scene and the scripting. And on the screen was basically uh, Dan Kennedy, my client, whose name is Sally Hogshead. She's a New York Times bestselling author, one of the highest paid keynote speakers in the world. And then also um, Dave D, who at the time was uh, GKIC's you know, chief marketing officer. So there were literally three people sitting, you know, a chair, you know, a chair. And that that lasted about four and a half hours. And that promotion did almost. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if the numbers public, but let's just say it was well into the, you know, um, well into the six figures. You say, and it lasted four and a half hours. You could not have done that on a webinar, right? Like with a webinar, there's three people talking. It's going to get real confusing because you can't really figure out who's, who's talking. Everybody's going to end up stepping on each other. But when you have a live cast, and even when there's multiple people, it actually creates, you know, a, a, a. So my point is that the energy level uh, gives you, that's what I mean when I say the production value is different, right? That is different than, say, basically turning on a webinar, having three presenters and just having a webcam on. You see, the, the flow is very different, and, the, and the, more importantly, the results are very different. Cool, very cool. Uh, mm-hmm. what is, that's very cool. Um, oh, by the way, this is, this is just a pet peeve of mine. You know, I mean, take, a, take it in, in context, please. Um, Google Hangout is probably the one everybody, you know, is very, everybody loves using. I will caution you that basically Google Hangout is beta technology, 
And I've been I've never basically done anything on large scale on Google Hangout for the simple reason I've seen it lock up too many times. Okay? If you're gonna go down this road, you know, be okay with spending a little bit more extra money. So the, the vendor I would look at is you uh, it's like livestream.com. That's how it's spelled like livestream.com. To give you an idea of the the, the, level, the level of capability, these are the guys that that basically broadcast like the you know the the Oscars. So the odds of you crashing their technology is pretty remote. I mean, if they can handle 50 million viewers, you know, when they're watching. The odds of you crashing on on, on your promotion, I, I doubt that's going to happen, right? Yeah. Whereas Google Hangouts basically. Yeah, and, and the great thing is when we did, you know, for, for, for many years, the reason people didn't want to use that was because it's considered very high end, it's per minute and whatnot. But now you can actually have a flat fee, and instead of spending, you know, thousands of dollars that we did on you know, one event, um, you know, now it's basically the hundreds of dollars. So just, you know, if, if, you're look, if you're basically looking at doing this, you know, be okay with spending a little bit of money and, you know, make sure that that way um, that it's actually technology supported. Google Hangout is very popular. But there is the delay in the audio, which kind of makes it a little bit, you know, clunky when you're trying to do some of this stuff. And also, um, it's um, it's basically inherently beta technology. Anyway, I just want to kind of, you know, because when people hear it, it's just run out and do a Google Hangout. You can make it work, but somehow Murphy's Law being what it is, it's gonna just be, it's just gonna crap out on you when you you know when you have everything on the line. Man, that's like <laughs> I save you know I save three hundred bucks, but I just blew you know thirty thousand dollars on that campaign. I could have made you know if I did the thing it converted the way I wanted. So you know just 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 invest in the the right tools when you do yeah. stuff like this. That's all. It's cool. So hmm? when you say you're doing hundreds of thousands in single um, webinars, what kind of stuff were you selling, and who does this work best for? Sure. So um, the the great thing is like this is a um, it's a uh, very, very um, flexible technology. I mean, there are nuances, you know, you're doing, um, uh, but, you know, basically, the, ideally, what you want to do is, like, because you have somebody's attention, you'd want to basically sell things no less than 1000 or 2000 And here's why. Because when you do this kind of promotion, keep in mind that you don't, you know, you don't just have to deal with the fact that people have to register, but people have to show up, right? So people are showing up, um, you have their basic undivided attention. Now, yes, they may be playing for, you know, they might be, you know, checking out, you know, Facebook, Skype. I mean, we all do that, right? You know, play, uh, you know, doing Skype or something in the background or, you know, re- you know, checking your text or whatnot. But for the most part, you do have, a, a, you do have something that's very scarce these days, which is their attention, right? And, and the great thing about a live stream or basically a webinar is that it's event-based marketing, meaning that think about all the steps that they did to basically, you know, do that, right? They had to register for that thing. They had to basically put on their calendar, and then they had to show up. So at this point, there's a relatively high, you know, level of uh, of um, engagement. I mean, not as much as like, if they had to hop on a flight and go across the country to a live event, you know. But for the online world, it's the, probably the highest level of commitment, right, that they they need to make. And so, if you have that, then what you want to do is basically maximize that. So if you're going to basically do the, uh, the kind of numbers that we're talking about, five-figure and six-figure, um, my experience is that you, you know, your, your product or, or the service you're selling has to be around like at least 1000 or 2000 And the good news is that the people that are attending that, now you know, the market has gotten more sophisticated. There's none, none of this like, kind of like stick a shock, right? Like, oh my, like, oh my God, where did that come from? You see? 
So, so, and I've even used it to sell, you know, stuff well into the five figure, and you know, okay, uh, one or two times we've actually sold stuff into the six figure. Now, when you're doing stuff into that, six, you know, when you're selling stuff into five, six figure, it's not, hey, go hit add to cart, you know, let me check out, you know, let me put fifteen thousand dollars on my Amex, right? That's not how it works. It's usually, to, it's usually to, you know, it's usually to a questionnaire. You want to talk to them, make sure it's a fit, kind of thing. But you know, yeah. that that aside. The, the key is that you do want to have products at least a thousand or two thousand. That's usually the sweet for most of the clients. Uh, for most of the clients, I either uh, run campaigns. Um, you know, we have a consulting arm and basically a, a model where we actually kind of like you know work with them, um, where we do it for them and where we work with them. So, you know, two side two sides of our business. Um, but but basically, generally speaking, what we do is we advise them to basically you know go through. If they don't have a product at that price point, we help them basically beef it up so that you know you can sell a thousand or two thousand. Um, and you spent uh, a yeah. little bit more on that those five and six figure um, product services you're talking about. I'm sorry. Could you expand a bit further on those five and six figure products that services you're talking about? Sure. So um, for uh, there were there was a, t- a period where I actually had a, a product launch agency, right? Where we would basically run you know people's product launches. Um, I've kind of narrowed that down now where we're running more people's launches. But the point is that that's a fairly high end offering, and you know it basically starts at High five figure, and then with you know with um, residuals, royalties, and whatnot, it went to one well to six figures. So a lot of time, instead of trying to meet each person one on one, you know, which could be very time consuming, only find oh my god, it's not a fit, right? We would use a webinar as an effective way of effectively um, pre-screening or educating the people, so they understood the fundamentals. So that way, when they still had the question, at least we got a lot of the f- basics out of the way, right? And so then the following conversation was at a much, much deeper end of the of the sales cycle. You see? Okay. So that way we're not trying to like trying to explain, okay, here's what a product, you know, here's what a launch is, here's what a you know, here's what a shopping cart is, you know, here's what an affiliate program is, here's why you need traffic. I mean, you know, you have to do that with every prospect you talk to. You're like, oh my God, this is like I'm fifteen hours into this prospect, you know, and then you know, and I, I still don't really fit because they we don't want to talk the same language, right? So the, the great thing about the webinars, it's a great way of not just it's it's a great way to implement a philosophy which I'm a really big fan of, and I think it's it's where the you know the the internet has been evolving toward. It's just accelerating. Is this concept called education-based marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So effectively, if you want somebody to basically invest a lot of money with you with no prior relationship, you have to you have to basically keep this in perspective, right? We're asking somebody who doesn't know us to invest right up front, high five figure, and then knowing that basically when the thing goes live, we're going to get paid, you know, more, and so. Effectively, we're asking for six figures right at the gate with no prior relationship. We didn't have a, we didn't have a tripwire. We didn't have a forty-seven dollar product. We didn't have a thousand dollar product. Right out of the gate, we're asking for between fifty to seventy grand for somebody that's never met us, right? So, so you, you got to basically build a lot of credibility very, very fast. And so, so the webinar was a great way that we found to basically pre-educate a lot of our prospects. And a lot of times, we would tell them, "Say, look, if you don't have these criteria, we're not a fit." Meaning, either your product may not be far enough along. Or you may not have the sufficient position to market for us to, to for uh, for you to engage us as an agency, right? Like for example, yesterday I just had a conversation with um with a uh, um a um a um uh, an author. I'm sorry, blanked out for a second. Basically, an author who's been in the, who's basically probably one of the top ten most recognized author in the business space, probably in the last ten or fifteen years, probably the last twenty years, in fact. Uh, the books are sold into the tens of millions, right? And they wanted to basically do this campaign that we're talking about. And um, there, basically, you know, since we're talking one-on-one, 
a lot of that, you know, because when we went into it, a lot of that conversation could have been done uh, prior on a webinar. Now, in this case, the conversation kind of, you know, shifted in a different direction of its original intent. But had I known that that basically that was the purpose of that conversation, I would have probably basically said, you know, here's a recording of a webinar, watch it first, and then, you know, we could talk a lot later. You see? So, so the, 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 the reason I say this because a lot, there may be people that's listening to this that's not doing the, just the traditional, hey, let's sell a shrink wrap product or sell a two or three thousand dollar coaching programs. What I'm seeing now is, and, and there's, you know, this is a very niche market, but what I'm seeing now is like basically there's companies that have, you know, high end products or services, like say software companies, right? And then what we're seeing is like basically, and we're, you know, in some cases we're helping them put together basically pre educational um, webinars. So that way the prospects, when they do engage with a salesperson, they're not asking just the basics. They're asking more like, okay, well, we now understand the basics. Okay, but the last 10 or 20% right now is about the customization, you know, like what's the maintenance fee and things like that. So it, it helps offload a lot of the stuff that traditionally happens during the sales. And so that basically makes, you know, the whole organization a lot more, um, you know, creates a lot more leverage. So, so with those kind of people that you're talking about on these higher ticket stuff, would you typically have a pre-call before they get on the webinar, or is it straight from lead to? Uh... You could you could have directly to the webinar. Then you probably have to do a little. The webinar tends to be a little bit longer, or depending on the market where the attention span is very very short. We've also seen examples. Like I help a client, for example, sell a um, a um, a leadership um, program, specifically aimed more at companies. Right, you know, the initial sales fifty grand. Um, and it's basically it's a uh, it's a very specific type of leadership package. Is why it's so expensive. But the point here's the point. And that in that market, because the folks are going after are senior you know senior buyers in big companies, you can't get them to sell for an hour. Okay. So what we found is like we had to basically do it in fifteen minute to twenty minute chunks, and we call this executive briefing, right? And so there's a lot less storytelling and a lot more facts, a lot more dry, and get to the point a lot faster because you only got fifteen to twenty minutes. Right, and then what we would do is basically do a minute or two intro, ten or fifteen minutes of content, three to five minutes of Q and A, okay. And depending on you know depending on how urgent their needs were, someone would basically book an appointment. In this case, my client, since it's, you know we're doing this on their behalf. At the end of that, you know, first webinar. If they didn't, we would do another webinar. So in that case, what we did is we would actually do a webinar series, right? We would do what normally would be a, an hour and a half or two hour webinar because but we can't get these guys to sit still for that long. What we would do is we chunk it out and we would announce it ahead of time that this is educational series, right? Notice it's a positioning, right? It's not a webinar series, whatever. It's an educational series because people that invest that kind of money, they want to know that, hey, I'm making the right decision because there's a lot of money and, you know, a lot of times it's actually a lot of, you know, uh, involving a lot of people. So so in that case right there, um, you know, we, we basically make the webinar shorter in in certain markets, you know, if you basically want to in, uh, improve the engagement, you could do things like you know creating a um, a uh, you know an engagement uh, engagement device ahead of time, like a checklist, or basically a pre you know a a, a pre fill a um, a um, a worksheet that they have to fill. And you basically you know you you're seeing those words like it's intentionally blank, like the top three secrets you know to doing blank or something, right? And then basically they would fill in secret number one, but number two is number three is incomplete. And your brain, you know, because I, I don't, I can't remember what it's called <laughs> the Zygus effect or something like that. Your brain just, it just basically it just screams like, damn it, I got to know what you know, I got to know what number two, number three is. I got to get in this webinar, right? So th- th- those are some of the things that create a curiosity and you know, and, and gets people kind of like, um, you know, so that way that that, that does improve the, the show up rate. So, and it also in answer to your question, it it is a a pre webinar consumption device. So, cool, very cool. 
Mm-hmm. Something that might be of interest to you. I've got a client currently who is a franchise business. So they're using webinars as their education slash sales process. So they'll have a mm-hmm. pre-phone call, then they'll right. get them on the webinar. Right. What advice would you give them? So what is it that they should be doing to optimize their sales process? With sure. Yeah, so without knowing more, here, here's several things I've seen that people do, um, you know, now franchises, you know, uh, just for the, um, just so we're on the same page, um, at least here in the U.S., I don't know, I don't know any franchise starts under five figure and many of them go well to the six figure, right? Um, you know, as, a, as an initial fee and then, right, yeah, and then the bill out sometimes, you know, double the price of the initial fee. So. What I would do is, you know, and now this is not a webinar per se, but it's a marketing thing, but it does affect the webinar results. Is when we work with uh, when we work with folks, is we make sure that are you it's are you basically targeting the right people? Now, when I say that, people say, okay, I, I mean it's you know some people they get a little bit offended, it's like okay, like we we we've been doing this for a couple of years, so of course we are targeting the right people. I'm saying, well, you know, I'm just starting the first principle. I'm starting with clean slate. So I'm going to ask you some of the fundamentals, and amazingly, even like 10, 20 percent of the time, even people that's very sophisticated, you find out that they went after the market they knew, but they never really stepped back and said, well, are there other buyers that's more you know that's that's a better fit for this, right? So so to answer your question right there. Um, in almost every market, there's like a maybe a 20-30% subset of that market. That's like the ideal buyer for them. So one way I would say is like, okay, um, you know, they're basically selling a franchise. So probably they're going after people. At, you know, again, I'm using more the U.S. There's probably subtle differences, maybe in Australia, but probably more similar than different. Most likely that buyer is probably in their mid 40s, right? You know, they probably a little bit burnout corporate. They want to do their own thing, but they don't want to actually jump off, you know, into the great unknown. So they want to have some structures. That's a typical franchise buyer. Now, what you're going to find, though, is like basically there's probably other indicators that they may be a better buyer than that, right? So, for example, have they bought, you know, previous business opportunity, for example, right? Have they um, maybe um, subscribed or basically attended a previous franchise show? You see, because buying a franchise is not something you fall out of bed. Say, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to go buy a franchise. You know, it's not, it's not a home study course, even a coach. I mean, it's a huge commitment, right? Usually, it's lifestyle change, career change. It's pretty, it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty major uh, purchase. So, there, I would, I would basically say, like, you know, are there, are there other ways of basically, um, you know, targeting your audience even more? Okay, but setting aside that, and then to say that, you know, they they've already done that. Then on the webinar, I would basically then talk about what the criteria. You know what the cri- set the buying criteria when you set when you're selling high end programs. I just went through this yesterday. You know again, what you know is is I learned this from somebody who's selling basically um, jets. You know to like very very high net worth individuals like thirty fifty million. You know you talk about high end. That's yeah. a pretty high end thing, right? Like and, and and she's not selling companies. She's selling to like you know multi multi millionaires, right? So one of the things that happens a lot when you're doing complex sales. You know that's another term for big ticket sales. Is you want to basically set the criteria because a lot of time when people are buying this stuff, they don't know what they're looking for, right? Like that, that author I was talking about yesterday, they're they're on the lookout. I said, well, we 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 want to hire an agency to help us like manage this whole thing, and I said, well, here's one way I can help you, okay? And this may you know this may end up making us, um, and this is how we basically demonstrate that you know we have their long term interest in mind, is we create we basically help them define what's the buying criteria, right? Okay. So, for example, I, I, uh, can you know without 
you know, what level of details you can. Can you give me an idea like what industry are they in? A restaurant, uh, you know, services? Uh, vending machine company there in the US. Oh, is it a vending, so, vending machine? A vending machine, so. Okay, cool. Okay. So, 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 you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a, there's a marketing, uh, there's a marketing term called, you know, acknowledging the elephant in the room, right? Which is that you're very naive. You think that you're there, you know, like that, that the buyers, that's the only franchise they're looking at. They're probably looking at other franchises, you know, restaurants, you know, maybe the most common ones are usually restaurants, depending on how much money they have. They also look at usually like, you know, some sort of cleaning, you know, franchise, yeah. um, you know, things like that. Okay. So, so broadly speaking, I would say, okay, you know, so again, this is very rough script, but one of the things I would say in that, on, that, uh, on that franchise is this, it, I'm sorry, on that presentation, this say, hey, you, you know, look, you know, we, you've probably been looking at a franchise, whatever, so, you know, the, the, and so the idea is that, you know, you go through everything, but there's, there's there, there, I, would, I would put in a portion in that franchise presentation where saying, look, you know, here's basically, you know, when you're looking for a franchise, right? And you know, if, if lifestyle is important to you, um, then you would want to basically purchase a franchise where you don't have to be there all the time, right? So then I would put up a three-column thing. It's okay. Here's the you know here's a restaurant franchise, here's a cleaning franchise, and here, here's our franchise. Well, most restaurant franchise, unless you you know, unless um, like if you're buying a smaller franchise, most restaurant franchise require you to be on site. I know for a fact you're buying, at least in the U.S., if you're buying a Subway franchise, if you only have one franchise, they don't allow you to be an absentee owner. It's not up for discussion. You cannot be an absentee owner to have four Subways. Okay? So if you don't want to be on site, you, can't, you don't want to be buying a Subway franchise because it requires you to be on site in most cases. Right? But that pretty much kills your lifestyle because, like, well, if I buy a franchise, I want to be an absentee owner. Well, <laughs> that, that's already, you know, that probably, that. You'd have, you'd have to give up your lifestyle. My point is we want to buy that. So in other words, I would basically set a set of criteria that I know is important to them that I would basically come out favorably on. Now, you don't want to score 10 and all the other ones score zero. That's just going to be too artificial, right? But you want to have something where you score maybe eight and the other score maybe three or four. You see? So, so, so this is how you basically can position your stuff as very attractive. And this requires obviously knowing the audience. Um, we did this exact thing when I had that law, that agency that I told you about years ago. We said, look, you know, basically when you're doing this for yourself, you have a, you know, when you're looking at this, you have a couple of choices, right? You can do it yourself or you can go hire an agency or you can, you know, basically, and we never told out you can hire us. We just said you can do it yourself or basically hire an agency. And in the two columns, we said, well, if you're going to do it yourself, here's all the things you need. Okay. And it's just rate yourself. And most of the time they would have three out of 20, right? Then they also go look at another agency. They usually would come up with like five out of 20. They said, well, if you don't have at least 10 of these covered, you probably don't want to start this, right? Yeah. So they said, well, this is interesting. Like we can't do it ourselves and nobody else can do this. But this guys, these guys said that they, they've done this before. Maybe we should talk to these guys. But we never actually came out and said hire us, right? We want them to conclude that, you see? So yeah. when you're selling something that complex, it's a combination of using um, – basically setting the buying criteria so that you show up favorably, right? And then letting them conclude that. Because if they conclude that themselves, then they're going to basically, then it doesn't require you to convince them. They're already, they're, buy, they're enro mentally enrolling in that decision, you see. Okay. Hmm? It's basically the usual features, benefits, that all the normal sales process you go through in a web. What is a webinar sequence for you normally? How does it, what is typical... Uh, yeah, so so 
Yeah, so the, the webinar sequence, uh, what we do is not very different than most is, you know, it's the, again, very, very similar, uh, which is that, you know, there's a series of emails that go out and whatnot. So I, I assume at this point we're talking about live, not evergreen, right? Yeah, it's about live one. Okay, live. What we do that's different is that like we basically do, you know, we, we do more like what we call webinar stacking, where we basically know that, you know, in most industries, there's only so much you can do, uh, squeeze out, if you're doing basically just a webinar and a replay. What we do is we look at different ways of extending the campaign, so that way you can actually come back to the same audience uh, and then basically not have it feel like, oh, my God, didn't I just, you know, I, I, this is the seventh email I've seen about this. Come on, enough already, right? At some point, they tune you out. <laughs> so what we do is we come back from uh, either different modalities, you know, like basically using a webinar and a live stream, or if we, if we, you know, if for some reason the client, uh, you know, um, the live stream is not an option, we come back with different webinars from different perspectives. Okay, that's different hooks, All right? Different hooks, for example. So you basically have the choice of doing um, using the same modality but different hooks, or basically different modalities, or best yet, basically mix the two. By by different hooks, I mean use the webinar but basically have a different angle to it, right? So that way, because you know, certain people may, you know, we know this, right? Certain people buy more on emotions, certain people more are a little bit more analytical, you know, things like that. And so what you do is you have different, you know, different, um, um, you know, different hooks, right? So that way you can, you know, you can extend the campaign and the promotion that goes out. And then the different modality is, they've actually done this in psychology studies. I can't remember the exact, you know, uh, phenomena that's happened, but you could actually show somebody, um, and again, unless you're trained to observe this, you could actually have the same content in one format, and they have the same content in a different modality, and they actually think it's new content. Unless you're a hardcore marketer, you know what's happening. Most people would actually think it's a different content. You mean because it's going from live stream to webinar, or what, what do you mean? Well, what, for, so, so for example, right, like if, I basically, if I basically take a webinar, okay, and I did it, right, and I scripted yeah. it out, and I did a webinar, and I did it, it's more like a, not, not, not even a li- uh, let's just say it's a live stream. Right, and where the content is more or less this. Now, I don't recommend you do this. You know, ideally, you want to basically do it from scratch. But let's just say that you know you did nothing, not even touch the script, but you did the webinar as a you know traditional go to webinar slides. You know, you know very little of any camera yeah. webcam action, right? And then you did that same content as a live cast. Most people think that the content is new, even though they already seen the previous one. No, no, because it's, it's yeah. you, you laugh, but because, no, you know, I like, it's, it. right, because it's, you know, most people don't go around studying webinars, right? Like, we do this because that's our livelihood. You know, the average person yeah. doesn't go around and say, well, you know, they just assume it's new. Because, new. Right. So, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a, I think, a, a kind of like a less inspired way of doing it. I prefer that you're going to change the modality than actually take advantage of that medium, Right. So, but you know, in in a pinch, if you don't have the time, you know, because you're, you know, you're, you know, you didn't yeah, give yourself enough time or whatnot. If nothing else, you could change the modality, and it would actually feel new. Well, and then people buying that new modality did before say, "Oh my god!" Like you know, these guys, these guys are not, you know, they're, they're, it's not a recording. They're right there. I mean, they're moving around. You know, if this is a recording, it's it's a really good one. You know what I mean? Because you know, different people have different levels of you know what's called a buying threshold, right? They have to cross before they buy. And some people just you know. If they're a little bit older, they just prefer seeing the fact that there's somebody on the other side. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's and see. and it does it does vary a little bit, you know, uh, um, between, um, for lack of a better word, um, industries. Um, you know, like some industries are inherently more online, like online marketing inherently is more online. I mean, this just kind of goes with the territory, right? 
But we've done a lot of work, for example, with clients in the real estate industry. And that industry is a little bit more, it's still, you know, to this day, it's still more paper driven. And so they prefer, you know, at all possible, you know, seeing a little bit more proof that there's actually a body on the other side. Like this, like in a webinar, this disembodied voice and there's this slideshow. They're like, okay, what's, what's going on here? I, I, you know, so even, you know, even, even young people in the real estate industry are not as savvy as older people in the online industry. Because in that industry, they spend more of their time basically talking to people face to face or doing paper, right? So, so you have to, you know, those are just some, you know, probably so nuances. Be, be aware of. Yeah. Hmm? Cool. Um, from there, so obviously you said you had opening emails and you got the live presentation or webinar itself. But based on that, um, surely you'd have a fairly low purchase rate the first time around. Do you then send out additional offers or how do you get people back to the sale from that point? I didn't catch uh, your first part of your question, uh, Jose. So, obviously you've done the opt-in sequence, the people first start to join up for your webinar or your sales process. Then right, so you talk your, about, right, the, yeah. uh, okay, so you have the opt-in sequence and the attendance rate. Yeah. Right, the people actually From show there, a lot. From though, what do you do to get people to make the purchase if they haven't made it in the first um, webinar slash um, presentation? Yeah, so so the the basic campaign, of course, just a replay. Ask them to come back and watch the replay, right? The the one that we prefer doing is where we do the webinar stacking. Like the reason they didn't buy it the first time is maybe because they're coming in already with a certain you know skepticism because that didn't appeal to them, but they showed up anyway. Whereas if you came back, like for example, somebody who's highly highly analytical and the first presentation is more emotional, they're gonna say, well, that you know, I mean, it was interesting, but you know, didn't get much out of it. I, I was looking for a lot more proof, right? So the second one is maybe more focus a lot more like hey look five you know basically five everyday people that's done X Y and Z and the whole webinar is there's no very little story to, or there's you know very little of you and it's a lot more about basically just the the, the people you're featuring and, and showcasing right maybe they're actually live on the call explaining how the success that they had and someone who's highly skeptical would be more likely to buy on that one you see because most most webinars are usually about the presenter right. The presenters usually talk about 45 minutes or an hour or more. Whereas if you do another one where it's all about basically maybe people that's had success with this and, you know, you may come in, you know, occasionally kind of like, you know, help with some context around it. That's another format, uh, right? So basically so, you got like five people who've had success, I guess. Right. Go yeah, depending the on the... You have a, the typical franchise webinar where here's opportunity, this is what you're going to get. Right. And here's the comparison. People don't buy that. You then take them to a yeah. Have another webinar maybe in three days. Right. Instead of just play. play. So here's the thing, right? A replay of that same webinar. It's the reason there's a a um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The reason there's a fallacy is because if your first message didn't resonate with me, it's kind of like you're screaming louder at me. I'm like, okay, uh, I didn't understand you the first time. So you screaming louder at me is not really going to make a big difference. I've already tuned you out, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to come back from a different angle. Cool. You say cool. like if, if I'm if I'm making if you know if you and I are in a conversation and I'm making a point and you don't buy off of that point, me repeating it is kind of counterproductive. But that's kind of what people do with a replay, right? Like, well, okay, well they probably didn't buy it because they probably didn't see the whole thing. I'll, I'll just replay the thing. Well, yeah, yeah you're gonna catch some folks, but there's certain people that didn't buy off of your premise any at all. So replaying it is like, okay, I'm I'm making a point that you didn't you rejected the first time. I'm making it a second time, but you already rejected the first time. So what's the point of repeating it? 
Do you see what I mean? Right? Yeah. If I'm trying to influence you or basically get you to you know, see my perspective, i got to come back, okay, well, maybe there's a different angle that I can talk to you about that will connect with you. Right? Cool. It's kind of like going to a party, somebody who's very reserved or, you know, they're, very, they're a little bit, I wouldn't say adversarial, but, you know, they're, they're at the party, a little bit grumpy, like, eh, you know, like, you know don't, don't really care for this. And, you, you know, you're, you're there, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm just trying to basically break the ice with this guy or gal, right? And you're talking about, you know, talking about the weather, it's not working. You talk about the weather some more, it's not working. Okay, let's talk to what, you know, you wouldn't do that in real life, right? You say, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe the guy, maybe the, the person's the sport. So well, maybe, you know, they're into movies or something, right? So you try to figure out more than one angle, right? At some point, you know, maybe the person wasn't cut out to be somebody that, you know, you, you want to interact with. But if you keep talking about the stuff they don't care about, you can repeat you it until the cows person. come home, but they're not going to, they're not going to listen. Awesome. What are the things that people make the biggest mistakes with coming into webinars? Um, you know, it, it's it's um, on a mechanic on a mechanical level, um, just you know, not not appreciating all the different you know different levels you got to pull and make sure it's done correctly, you know, the right time frame and whatnot. On a psychology level, it's not really understanding, um, you know, w- what is it that the the, the target market really. Um, you know, really wants or is you know concerned about. Now, you know, those are those are you know, that that's probably in you know at a high level. I will tell you though, at least based on my experience, is especially if you have a strong educational background, you're a coach, or you know, uh, come from some something like that. A, a big mistake that I see people t- um, do is they they overteach, meaning that they think that the more content I can do, the more I you know share with them, the more you know, the more amazed or wild they are and so therefore they're just going to be I'm just going to basically be you know this amazing person and when I make the offer they're just going to all jump right in so that that I haven't seen work as much as most people would think in fact that was one of the things that we did with a recent campaign where that was the, the number one thing we fixed and we more than we almost triple our results you know by by you know on the next webinar because it, it, would, it, seemed, it would seem to make sense, right? Which is, hey, look, you know, basically, I'm teaching lots of great content. I've already built rapport with you. So when I make you an offer, naturally, you can say, wow, this guy's been good. He's been offering lots of value. I'm just going to buy his product. Mm. It doesn't, it's, if that were the case, then, you know, this wouldn't be such a tricky medium to master. It's usually more the point that you have to understand, you know, like the, uh, obviously, educate them. But educate them from the perspective of getting them to realize the magnitude of what is it that they um, you know, make them understand, you know, they're on a webinar because they're trying to solve something or after something they don't have, right? So get them to understand yes. that really what the impact that is if it's not addressed. Now, obviously, it's still their choice whether they want to address it or not, but really get them to understand, like, what's the, what's the consequence if they don't basically address that. I, I found, you know, some people find it a little bit morbid. Some people feel, oh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But I'm of the philosophy that, you know, if you have something that can help people, you know, you would want to do as much as possible, yeah, right? To basically thing. make sure that it's in their best interest to move forward with that. Because some folks, they don't really realize, you know, that hey, you know, if they, if you don't address this, it will not solve itself, and in, in fact, it will get worse and will compound itself moving forward. You know, and so and so that's one of the things, you know, um, is I would say that's probably big. You know, the, the psychology. Uh, you know the mechanics. The mechanics is usually pretty easy to figure out. You just have to, you know, get help or read the instruction manual. But some folks, you know, they they don't know what you know. Um, the, 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 those are usually solvable. But the big, the two biggest ones would be the psychology, the market, and also making the mistake that if I just provide people lots of great value, that they're just gonna, you know, when the offer is made, you know, they're just gonna do that. Mm. Which actually leads to my advice. It's okay. 
agitate the pain point a bit more before offering yeah. a solution. Yeah, and, and this is actually this, that's a corollary to that. So we can either call it three C or ba- I'm sorry, three B or basically make it a fourth one, which is that you have to be clear and wise that you have the webinar. Yes, it's providing value, but remember, um, again, this may cause some discomfort to whoever's listening to this, but you're really there to as much as possible get them to invest with you, because whatever the hell is going on in their life. It's a big enough issue where you're not going to be able to solve it by 45 minutes or an hour. The best you can do is make them be aware of it and then also give them a couple of tips. But it's really, I think, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Far-fetched to believe that you could actually solve somebody's problem. In other words, if you could solve it in 40, 45 minutes, it wasn't a big problem to begin with, right? It's probably an annoyance, right? But it's really something that can affect their life, their finance, their health, you know, their relationship, you know, their faith or whatever. Uh, there's, it's, it's really unlikely you're going to solve it in 40, 45 minutes. So you trying to basically just dump more and more information and then trying to just try to solve it all in 40, 45 minutes, it's kind of productive. So for me, where I'm going with this, uh, this point is this, is it's more important that you basically think through what is it you have to offer them and then build a webinar to support the fact that they should invest with that. Because in my, in my personal belief, you know, this is the, the same belief that I like all my clients to have, is that we have something that can help the party. They might not realize it, so it's our job to basically get them to, under, uh, you know, get them to realize that. But you do that by basically structuring the offer and then creating the rest of the webinar to support that outcome. You see, what people do instead is they'll write an awesome webinar, right? Lots of great content. Oh my God, this is the best I've ever shared, whatever. And then they try to jam in the offer at the end. You know? And, and I've seen this because I actually have clients who are keynote speakers. Right, people who get paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to make a speech. Now, a keynote speaker is someone who inspires people. Okay, they don't get people to actually buy or invest in themselves. They inspire people, they motivate them, get them feeling good for maybe forty-five minutes or an hour. But science and psychology has proven that basically, environment's always going to win. All right. So outside of that in keynote, they're going to deflate right back to what they were. Right. Yeah. So most people, what the mistake they make is when they're trying to basically have a webinar where they're actually trying to make an offer. They're trying to approach like a keynote speaker. I'm going to basically create this awesome speech. And then I'm just going to basically have five minutes. And therefore, oh my God, they're just going to love me. They're just going to jump out of their chair, run to their shopping cart, run to the back of the room and just invest <laughs> in me. Doesn't happen. I'm, I'm, I wish it was that yeah. simple, but trust me, it doesn't. I've watched, I've had clients who have been in the Speaker Hall of Fame. There's only 100 people in the Speaker Hall of Fame worldwide, okay, to give you a sense of how exclusive this thing is, right? <laughs> And I had this conversation with them. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I get paid like you know a lot of money to do this over here. I could just come over here and do this. I'm like, no, it's a different skill, you see. And, and and so I'm like, if somebody is get paid thirty thousand, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars a speech, can't pull this off, and you're not that, you're not at that caliber. What makes you think you can do it? Did you see? Did you see the emphasis that I'm trying to make there? Yeah. That that's why like. Uh, 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 you know, like the, there's there's a certain way of creating a webinar or a live stream. So the, the key again, you know, I, I hope I'm not belaboring the point, but it's so important because I've seen this over and over again. Is you want to start with the offer, right? The transformation, the outcome you can help your client, you know, create in their life or in their business or both, and then craft a webinar so it creates a compelling reason why they need to move forward with you, versus Basically, you know, spend set the stage before you even get into the. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Context of the webinar. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, I mean, again, I'm not a mystery writer, but it's kind of like 
you know, you, you want to basically have the mystery in mind. You already, you know, if you're writing a mystery, you probably already want to say, look, I have this mystery, right? And I already know who actually committed the mystery, okay? You don't try to write the story and figure it out last minute, okay, let me see if I can stick a, a, you know, a murder in the, in the middle of the story and then make up, like, who actually made the murder. It doesn't work that way, right? Like, they already know, like, you know, they already have, like, the, the, they already have the outcome and there, and they basically, you know, again, I've never written a mystery novel, but, you know, it's, it's a, probably not a perfect analogy, but, you know, but you get the idea. You have to be clear on what your outcome is, right? And so it starts with the offer, and then, you know, you know, you work backwards or basically create the stuff so it supports that way, you know, for them, it's, uh, they want to move forward with the offer. That's how you maximize your conversion. So you kind of say, look, imagine here's your, here's your perfect scenario with your solution solved at the beginning, then take it to, okay, well, this is all the stuff that you'd need to overcome to understand well, that this is the solution for you or how well, you there's, there's, there's basically different ty- uh, there's different styles of uh, webinars uh, and I've used, you know, different, uh, different versions of this, right? There's a uh, Popular ones like you know these are called archetypes. There's like the three you know the three secrets of something, right? There's the three mistakes of something or X mistakes. You know they have to be three, but three is usually a good number. Anything more than that, you know, the brain has to work a little bit harder to understand. So you know basically it's three secrets of something, how to do some outcome, three mistakes. You know, um, if people are already doing it, then people say, oh my, maybe you know maybe I need to show up for this thing because and whatnot. And so there, it's all about like you know how much these mistakes are costing you, or not knowing these secrets. It's, you know, this is why you're not getting the outcome that you want, right? There's another popular model, which is, you know, which is like, okay, look, you know, basically to do this, you know, it's basically a seven-step process, right? I have a limited amount of time, and therefore I can go into two of these seven steps, you know, in, in, um, in depth. And therefore, you know, if you want the rest of this, that's why my system exists, right? Those are, there's more, but those are three of the most popular yeah. ones you know, that, that's around. Brilliant. I guess I don't have time, but I ask you a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, obviously, you've told us that you started off in the software, but what led you there? Was it? What is? Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, so I, uh, I had a, you know, I guess that was a natural progression. I graduated, you know, years ago with a degree in IT, and so you know, I just naturally gravitated toward that, and I found that, you know, um. As much as I enjoyed the technology, it was very short-lived, so maybe a couple of years. And I saw that basically, you know, led to a lot of burnout, uh, coders and whatnot. I mean, I, I saw friends who are coders and all that. I just didn't see it was a future for myself. And then, um, you know, I, I basically started being an independent consultant for, you know, many years. And then I actually grew, you know, a consulting company and sold that. And just out of sheer necessity, I had to basically, you know, hire a lot of salespeople, but, you know, always ended up having to drive most of the sales myself. And so along the way, I realized, hey, I actually enjoy the market and the sales a lot more than actually the, you know, the technical implementation of this stuff, right? And so then I, um, you know, I combined a lot of that, you know, background. And, uh, you know, in, 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 as I was saying before, you know, the, 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 the bigger the package you sell, the more you have to educate your prospects so that, you know, that way they feel confident that it's a, you know, it's a, um, it's the right decision. And that, that, you know, that helped a lot when I had to basically do, um, you know, webinars because, you know, everything else I said earlier, there is an educational, you know, webinars work best mm-hmm. when there's at least an educational component to it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't overteach, but, you know, at the same time, don't don't make the whole thing about, you know, being a lot of just, you know, fluff either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. teaching doesn't necessarily mean that you basically explain, you know, every step of your, you know, of your system in depth. Teaching can mean that say, hey, here's the consequence of what it is that, you know, of your situation if you don't basically address it, you see? And so... Um, 
I, I don't know. That's basically. I'm trying to basically keep it relatively brief. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, you told us a bit about yourself, but what actually dropped? So you kind of said you a necessity. You just in that IT kind of role, it just wasn't working out. You needed to find a different way to go about things. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what I'm getting at? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, I you know I when I saw my business, we were doing uh, I think a little bit over two million, two point one million, and uh, you know I sold it to a VC funded startup. And we, you know, we were selling. We were basically. I found that the the folks that at the time, you know, I hired two salespeople. Um, you know, one, I think, like maybe, yeah, two salespeople. Uh, and just it just didn't work out because they didn't. They um, how do I explain this? They basically just wanted to club the head. You know, basically club the person on the other side to get them to sign the, the agreement. And I said, well, you can, we can get the initial agreement, but we're not going to basically get the, you know, the larger, we're not going to basically build a relationship long enough to really get the, the large assignments that we want, right? Because a lot of time in those situations, kind of like here, they, there's an initial sale and there's a much larger sale, you know, uh, yeah. downstream a little bit, right? And in that world, it's like five figure to six figure or six figure to seven figure, whereas here it's usually four to five or five to six. But but the idea is like you know so I said you know like uh, it helps a lot like in other words like there's times when it makes sense to basically make a pass on this person because even we can land them as a client they're not a fit you see and so that that's what I meant when I said I just kind of you know learning out of necessity uh, how to sell and we actually were using at the time they weren't called webinars they were just called you know online presentation like we were using stuff from Citrix again you know back in oh gosh. Maybe ninety eight. Oh, no, no, probably not that far back. Probably around two thousand two, two thousand three. Mm. Back then, literally, like if you can get three people on these things, you were like, you know, you were like, oh my god, I'm so grateful because the thing was so fragile. There's you couldn't put a thousand oh, wow. people on this thing back then, right? Back then, basically, the, the technology was so fragile that you'd probably get three people on a presentation at the same time because you're basically selling maybe your. One to many was one to three at that time. Right. Yeah. One to three back then was considered, you know, one to many, um, because the technology was so state was so expensive um, or unstable that there's no way you could do the kind of stuff that you did now. I mean, and again, just to put it in perspective, go to webinar is a spinoff of Citrix, right? Back then it was called yeah. Citrix Online. That's what we were using. In the corporate world, again, Citrix Online is still more popular than go to webinar. Go to webinar is another brand that they kind of spun off. But anyway. So, so the point I'm, uh, you know, I'm hoping I'm answering your question, but it was just out of necessity, um, you know, making a lot of presentation, you know, some of them crash and burn, some of them worked, and just learning along the way what worked and what didn't. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, out of all the books you've read in your journey, what would you recommend? What has had the most influence in your life, and why? Sure. Um, one of the books that. You know, I don't want to give the same, you know, um, well, answer that probably maybe um, folks are probably, you know, the, the the usual litany of lists. But some of the ones I found that, you know, that's helped, helped me kind of shape my thinking a little bit is there's a book called um, The One Thing. It's fairly recent. Uh, it's by the gentleman who started uh, William Keller, which is the largest real estate um, brokerage company here in the U.S. And they talk about, like, what's the one thing that you could focus on that makes everything else easier to solve? Right, so it's a good it's a good exercise to go through, because usually there's one thing that you know if you can solve that it doesn't solve everything else, but it makes everything else easier, right? Like so, for example, if you're if you're doing you know if you're you know if you're using this model we're talking about here, um, if you're trying to master you know the lead generation, you're trying to master the presentation and the follow all this other stuff. 
What you want to do is say, okay, well, right now for the next two to four weeks, okay, which one of this is, if I can just focus on that, it'll make everything else, you know, more productive or more, you know, financially fruitful, right? So instead of trying to optimize every step along the way, maybe spend, you know, a week of uh, one to four weeks trying to say, okay, can I improve the, just the attendance rate? You see, so it, it's a it's a particular philosophy that allows you to basically eliminate or you know put the stuff in the on the you know in the background, so that way you can at least you know figure out where to focus you know put the majority of your focus in, right? Um, there's there's a couple uh, there's um there's another book by um, Jay Abraham. It's a little bit abstract, but if you can get the the thinking, it's actually good. It's called now Jay's stuff normally is very very expensive, but he had a book for like twenty bucks. It's called How to Get Everything Out of All You Got. And it's a really interesting way of actually like how to basically look at a, a business opportunity. It's not related to webinar per se, but it's basically a way to say, okay, you know, what are there things in front of me that I'm not even realizing that's a, a you know a significant business asset, right? I'll give you an example. I, I do a lot of uh, projects with clients where they have a mailing list, and they say, well, we've been mailing them, and uh, you know, this is what we get. I'm like, okay, but. Like, for example, I recently did a project with a client, right? Very small list. And we, we figured out, you know, we did a promotion back to that list um, where we pull out $85,000 of additional money, right? And it was a small buyer's list, maybe less than 200 people. You see, because I'd been exposed to that idea, I said, look, basically, if you have this, there is money ex- extra there, right? So, again, it's like how to make everything out of all you got. My client's like, well, we've already sold these people a $2,000 program. That's the end of that relationship already. I'm like, no. You know, like these folks, you know, when you present it correctly, they're willing to buy a $5,000 program, and then a handful of them are going to be interested in investing a day with you at $15,000, right? And so if you, you know, if you read that book, he doesn't talk necessarily about how to monetize an email list, but he Ooh. talks a lot about how, like, companies, even, you know, now the bigger the company, the more opportunities they are that they don't you know they don't monetize right but but you know it's it's a it's an interesting philosophy where you can basically find a lot of you know things that you can uh, monetize by yourself or you know hiring somebody who's basically trained in that perspective with bigger companies for example um i've had situations where you know we've added like you know over seven figure to a business by adding a new you know a new income stream by basically taking their like their existing webinar to a new market or to a more affluent market right because I'll, I'll give you something like you know specific here. So I have a client right now, right? They got a five thousand um, dollar webinar, okay? And the number one objection they get is that well, it's a, you know, it's converting well, but the number one question is that it's basically you know they, they can't afford it. Now, yes, there's all kind of schools that they'll say, well, they they want it badly. Now they figure out come up with the money, you know, even have to you know, there's all these things, right? I say, okay, that's fine. I accept that as a premise, okay? But here's my counter argument. That offering, taken, I've already identified at least one other market where we can go to it. And where at three times the price, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be considered a, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't say a bargain, but a reasonable investment. So, which you think is going to be easier, right? Going after another market where at three times the price, they're going to consider a reasonable investment, or trying to sit here and try to convince someone who can't afford it that they should afford it. Do, do you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right. And and the great thing is like the second market. Not only is it more, you know, affluent. It's a virgin market. Most people don't know that that market exists. Oh, well, it's beautiful. So his competitor, if he's continually selling the same people his competitor is selling to, he's got to constantly either spend more or butt heads with them more, right? He could just step right to another market 
and then say, look, this other market, my competitors don't know it exists, or better yet, they do know it exists, but their products can't compete in that market because it's, it's not attractive. He has, he's in an enviable position where his products actually attracted this more affluent market. You see? So that's kind of what I mean. When you read that book, Jay, Jay's writing is a little bit abstract. Like he doesn't say, oh, go find a more affluent market to sell to, right? But he basically makes the point that like, when you have an opportunity in your hand, what are all the different ways you can monetize it? You see, with a mailing list, can you basically come back to with a higher price offer, right? If you have an existing offer, are there other people that can sell it in a different, maybe in a foreign market, right? Can you license the content? Can you certify people on it? Can you create a, uh, you know, a, a co-branding? You see what I mean? Again, he doesn't yeah. talk about this at this level because Jay, you know, Jay's teaching is a little bit more, for lack of a better word, more strategic, right? <laughs> But once you get that, sh- yeah, I mean, if you ever read this stuff, it's sometimes like, that's very flowery. Yeah, it's like, okay, okay, okay I'm sorry. Am I, am I reading business here or is this poetry? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, am I reading Hemingway here or am I reading, you know what I mean? Like, oh, Jason. Man. Right. But, but, you know, if you can get past that, right? It does take like five or six readings. But, but that perspective, once you, that shift happens, like, wow, you know, then you can say, man, there's, there's opportunities I didn't see. Partner with somebody else, for example, right? A lot of people, they, they let the fact that, hey, books, uh, Mediocrity to Millions is amazing. Have you read that one? Which one is that? Mediocrity to Millions. It's a. I had, a I had seen that one. Actually, I, I, you know, I was very fortunate. Uh, I actually, I, I, I was working on another, on an, uh, you know, helping another client, and he actually hosted an event, a five thousand dollar event in Beverly Hills, and it was um, hosted by him and Barry Jay. So I got to spend a little bit more time with Jay. It was, only, it was only about maybe three, four weeks ago. But yeah. So anyway, awesome. so that book, you know, it's not for everybody, and you know, you may have to read it like you know several times, and maybe eighty percent of it may, you know, may not make any sense to you, but. That, that's kind of what I mean, you know, rather than giving people, oh, yeah, go read and think and grow rich, you know, which I'm sure everybody has already recommended. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, there's, there's some, you know, gems out there. Those, those two have had, you know, um, uh, some, you know, some good, um, some, um, you know, help shape my thinking about uh, certain things. Um, there's um, um, Dan, Dan's, um, Dan Kennedy's had some, um, um, you know, some some of the books some people find a little bit too you know too direct, uh, so he's again he's not for everybody, but uh, he's he's also got some you know I, I consider one of my earliest mentors as well, and uh, you know, he's got a lot of really good material to a lot of his books. If you you know if you can't afford, he he's basically slowly into semi retirement, but he's got a lot of really good books. I mean they're they're bargains for like twenty thirty bucks. You know, you're gonna get education that took him you know decades of you know to to accumulate. Yeah, I'm going through his um, sales letter book at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah. Uh, cool. Finally, what do, in terms of people who've had the most influence in your life, who would you uh, rate up there, either personal or business? Sure. Um, I, I have to say my parents. Um, you know, definitely. Uh, my mom. Oops, my mom's passed away. You know, but but one thing that she always said. You know, when she was. Um, she she she. Um, my mom. Um, even to the day she passed away, she was illiterate. You know, because. Um, and but the thing that was very interesting is that you know uh, was that you know it's kind of like you know like the you know as you get older you realize you know how uh, how, how much of an impact your parents have on you so she was extremely wise and so she um she always basically said you know um, and again it's probably really poor, poorly translated but just basically live a good life and help people right very simple advice but you know if you live by that then that's why I try to basically you know tell people say look you know I. If you come to me, you say you have some uh, pr- awesome product, but it doesn't help the world. I'm probably going to pass on you know being involved with it, right? Because it's it's not going to help the world. It's going to make money, but 
you know, it's not going to help the world, right? So that's how, that's how I take that advice, right? And, you know, with my dad and, you know, both my mom and my dad, it's basically just, you know, overcoming a lot of adversity. Uh, we're an immigrant family, so, you know, all the stuff that, you know, most immigrant families have to go through, we went through. Um, my, bro- uh, my, my brothers, you know, um, basically just for being, you know, showing me, I'm the youngest of six, and just showing me, uh, I, I don't have kids yet, you know. So just seeing, you know, for them, like just how, what it takes to be really an awesome, you know, being awesome parents, Right. Um, yeah. yeah, on on the business front, I've already shared with you some of my you know business you know some of my business mentor. So, so let's say that on that front, there you're saying, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. as immigrant parents, what were your parents' business mind as well, or is it more the belief systems that they pass on to you? Well, my um my 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 parents were um were. You know, in in most third world countries, you know, we don't have you know Fortune 500 companies, so major companies are not as common. So basically, inherently, more people are just more naturally entrepreneurial minded, meaning they're shopkeepers or whatnot, right? So that that uh, yeah, I did I did grow up in a you know in um in a in an entrepreneurial um you know my my both my parents were basically business owners, but for me it was more the lesson than the fact like you know basically. Um, just you know the idea of having to overcome a lot of adversity, just you know adapt here and. And really, you know, uh, for them, I've always found it amazing that they, you know, what they were willing to go through for their kids. Like, you know, they, you know, I mean, it, it's, mm. I, I'm not even at the age of my parents here because they're, they're much older than I am, right? We've been in the States now 40 years to give you a sense of, you know, how, old, how much older my parents are to me. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, I'm almost 50 and they came here in their mid-50s, right? And they didn't speak the language. I'm thinking to myself, like, if I had to suddenly, you know, that'd be, that'd be the equivalent of me relocating to like a country where I have no I, I cannot even like converse in the language imagine how difficult that you know what I mean like we take something for granted right the ability to actually read the language you know open the fridge and you know all this other stuff right like read the road signs and all that but suddenly imagine wake up tomorrow and say holy crap I can't do any of that stuff uh, you see what I mean right the whole landscape changes for you to relearn the well, I mean the it'd rules. be terrifying right but they had to go through that to basically you know for, for the benefit of the kids and so that's why I was kind of look back and say man that, that's just to me you know, uh, like I said, you know, like uh, immigrant parents, you know, it's like, you know, the, if anybody's listening, you know, you, you think about your parents, what they did, you know, some generation being there four or five generations, so there may have been, you know, but, but for me, I wasn't born here, so I saw firsthand how difficult it was for my parents to adjust when they came here. Awesome. Guess final question for you, Alex. Mm-hmm. If you were able to, if you had to go back in, t- if you were able to go back in time and speak to your 20 year old self, what advice would you give them knowing what you know now? Uh, I think that trying to keep it in perspective, when I was younger, you know, I, I just felt, oh my God, like, you know, this isn't, you know, so it's really keeping perspective. And that's something I've really had to learn in the last, probably like, you know, I'd say about seven to 10 years. My mom passed away. My sister had a stroke. You know, my brother's basically, you know, um, had cancer. And so I'm like, you know, so now in the past, I talk about doing gratitude exercise, you know, like basically talking, but now, I'm consciously actually practicing an exercise, you know, even for a minute or two. Basically, I wake up, I say, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for my health, you know, my, um, you know, the special person of my life, you know, right now, my girlfriend, and basically my business, right? When I was younger, I don't know that it would have been in that order. I, I, you know, last year I had a, you know, kidney stone. Oh man, you know, when pe- you know, tr- you know, when people talk about like, you know, you really have clarity about what's important. Trust me, when I was sitting there and, you know, at the time, um, Everybody was out of town, so I was, you know, I was here by myself. 
man, sitting there and literally crawling on the floor, you know, to try to get to the phone to make a phone call, you, you, you really realize, you know, my God, like, you know, basically, if you don't have your health, you, you don't really have much. You know what I mean? Like my, I watched literally my sister lose her mobility. She had a stroke. She can't, she can't move now, right, without help, you see? So, you know, uh, that, that to me is kind of like the, the, the exercise. I'm sorry, the advice I'll probably give my younger self is like, you know, if you look back at what you're dealing with right now, is it going to matter really in a year? If not, just let it go. Cool. Very cool. And if people want to learn more about you, uh, where would they go? Um, probably the best thing I can offer to folks is just go to my website. And then uh, I have a, you know, I, I think I mentioned uh, occasionally here, just basically um, uh, my website. And it's also like I have a book uh, that they can download. So my main website is expertriches.com. And then, um, you know, if they want to download my, my book, which talks about, you know, creating big ticket programs and also, um, uh, you know, running webinars, um, is basically expertriches.com slash book. So. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was brilliant. Thank you so much for your time and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. Well, I enjoyed this, Joe.